We're in a series called As It Is in Heaven in Tomball. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And, and so I, I use those interchangeably. And we've talked about how the kingdom of heaven is a seed. It's a word. We've talked about the kingdom of heaven is always wanting to expand. It never wants to stop expanding. The Lord wants all to be saved. He wants all to be delivered. He wants all to be healed. He wants it constantly to expand. He wants all of poverty eradicated. He wants all abortion stopped. He wants all sex trafficking stops. He wants everybody without a home. And he wants everybody in a home. It always, he always, always wants it to expand. And then we went to the idea of the yeast. And um, I had a really great title. It said the kingdom of heaven is a fun guy. F-U-N-G-I and F-U-N-G-U-Y. Because... Uh, the kingdom of heaven is requests for the kingdom of heaven. All right. We don't want to keep a straight face all the time. There's things to, there's things that are to be joyful about and that we can make fun of those things. But there's this idea that, that we don't want to be around the world because we don't be infected by the world. And that's an old Testament way of thinking. And the kingdom of heaven is a yeast. And yes, we know that sin is a yeast. But the power, the power dynamic shifts at the cross where we carry, contain the yeast of the kingdom. So at one time, uh, we said that uh, a pastor in California said that in the Old Testament, if you, if you get touched by leprosy, you get leprosy. But in the New Testament, if you touch someone that has leprosy, they become clean. They become whole. So we want to walk in the New Testament covenant, the New Testament idea of the kingdom, not the Old Testament idea of sin, but the New Testament idea of sin. And that's what we went to with yeast. And this morning, I'm going to talk about the kingdom of heaven is for today. The kingdom of heaven is for right now, right now, today. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You don't have to answer them. Just think about them, okay? So when Jesus went to a place and he showed up, did something change when Jesus showed up? It's just a yes or no. So when Jesus showed up and demons were there, did the demons sick and disease get free of the sickness and disease? When Jesus touched someone, when Jesus spoke, did something different happen in their lives? So what happened is they're living in the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of Tomball, the kingdom of Spring, Texas, the culture and rule and government of how life works here. But then Jesus shows up and life begins to work, work differently and on a basis of a higher truth, a higher reality, something that's actually going to exist forever. Our culture in Tomball, Texas, our culture in Texas, as much as we might like our culture in Texas or the states or whatever, that culture... Your ethnic culture is going to disappear. Your culture of here is going to disappear. Your social status one day will disappear, become insignificant, but the kingdom of heaven will not ever go away because it's going to expand and it's going to, it's going to overflow and infect and take over everything. And it's meant to do that. And we don't wait for that to happen when we get to heaven. Otherwise, we're saying that my death does more than the death of Jesus. So we participate in the kingdom right now. And we're going to talk at the end about how we do that. So if you believe, if you believe that you just have to like talk about the gospel, then you'll do that. If you believe you just have to invite people to go to church, you'll do that. But if you believe that when Jesus and it's, it's, king, it's, it's, um, 
as in heaven, as in on earth, as it is in heaven, then you'll begin to hope for and look for that instead of over here in the Old Testament, just barely making it, just being secluded, being isolated. Maybe that's the word of the day. Instead, instead of going out there and expanding yourself and walking in a, in a, in a strength and a power and a purity of the kingdom of God as a child that you're then infecting them and impacting the things around you. So we only operate in what we believe in. So if we believe that demons shouldn't be cast out, then we won't pray for demons to be cast out. If we believe that cancer should stay in a body, then we won't even dare to think about praying for cancer to be removed. And so what we do, we've been taught a lot in our, in our church culture, invite somebody to a special event, talk to them about salvation, they get invited into the family of God if they say yes, and then they suffer the rest of their life until Jesus, until our death rescues us. But his death has rescued us already. All right, so we're going to go to Mark sixteen fifteen, And I want to convince you today, Mark sixteen fifteen through 18, I want to convince you today that the kingdom of heaven is for today, that the kingdom of, kingdom of God is for today. And if you value church attendance... A London realm, and I want you in church, and I want you to do the spiritual growth habits that are good for us, and I want you to stay away from the wrong people and the wrong things for you, but I want you to get empowered and full of the Holy Spirit that when you show up at places, things change around you. Mark sixteen fifteen, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. How many believe? 50% of us believe. How many of you? I mean, and, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Who believe in Jesus. Who believe in salvation. So there's something that happens upon salvation that follows our salvation. And that thing that happens isn't that we start doing 10 things and stop doing 10 things. It's not that we learn how to say hallelujah and we stop saying the F word. All right. That's usually where we, that's, we, we, we have these, these are 10 things that designate why I'm a good Christian. These are 10 things I don't do that designate why I'm a good Christian. I don't do, and I do these things, but the kingdom of heaven, there's something that's meant to happen. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues, hands on the sick, and they will get well. So what if, what if the kingdom of heaven is a whole lot more than we thought it is? What if our salvation is just a doorway to enter into something? What if our salvation is just a way, an entrance into something? So we know it's an entrance into a relationship. But it's also an entrance into a commission, into a lifestyle, into a way of thinking, into a way of seeing. We're supposed to, we, the kingdom of heaven is within. We experience it when we let it out. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We experience when we take a risk and move towards it. And so the challenge is, and the challenge has been this year and part of last year, is to begin to increase our belief in what God wants to do through us. Because God doesn't typically just do something. God, did, did you know that God doesn't feed orphans? We do. God doesn't lay hands on people 
and heals them, we do. We lay hands on people, and he heals them through. But he tells us what to do. But if we're stuck in, if we're stuck in, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, something will be awesome and change when I go to heaven, then we're stuck in something that's not the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Out of John 3, 3, I'm going to give you a couple little scriptures here. Jesus replied to them, Verily I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. So if we keep it as I'm born again and that's it, that's all I need, then we don't enter into and see in the kingdom realm. So salvation gives us the ability and the right to see or to enter in to the kingdom of heaven. But we don't have to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We never have to pray for deliverance. We never have to pray for the sick. And we never, ever have to give to the poor. But we begin to see differently upon salvation. But typically what happens, we get hijacked. We enter in. We enter into salvation with the ability to see the kingdom. But we're diverted to a church culture. And and I like church culture, by the way. There's nothing wrong with church culture. But it's the secondary or tertiary thing. The primary thing is seeing and hearing and living out of and into and from. That's probably all three the same. The kingdom of heaven. And then then we go to church. But there's a kingdom mentality. There's a kingdom thing that we've got to see. There's a difference between being born again and living in allows you to enter in and walk in. It's like showing your ID card. I want my new glasses. I want my new hearing aids. I want my, I want my new feelings. I want my new way of thinking. We're asking for those things. That'll help us enter in and walk into the kingdom. Things are supposed to change when we get saved. I'm supposed to feel differently when somebody judges me when I'm saved. I'm supposed to think differently when somebody hates me or despitefully uses me. And it's not just, oh, I'll be a slave and they'll do what. It's not, about, I'll be a doormat. I'm just a big loser. It's not that. There's something I, differently happens. It's meant to shift the way I, I use my words. It's meant to shift the way I see life. It's meant to actually shift the way how I see my past. When I get saved, I start recalculating and I start seeing God in my past when I didn't know God was even there. It recalculates how I, how I experience my marriage, my child raising, how I use my finances. It begins to recalculate everything. Now, there's a movie. I was thinking about this. What, it op- what, what, what an experience opens us up to. So you know that if you've ever been, um, you know, there's, there's trauma. So if you've ever been part of war, it opens you up. It opens, it breaks something there, right? And it's an experience that then, then all, subs, all experiences that come from that experience with, with all, of the, all of those different things. All, and we, have, we know that that experience, but what we forget is there's a, there's a much more quadrillion times bigger experience called salvation that actually then wrecks all the other trauma, all the other things, and begins to reorder everything after that and allows us to walk in the kingdom. Now, in 1960, Alfred Hitchcock directed and produced a movie called Psycho, all right? And um, the movie's black and white. It's, I don't know who, who, did anybody watch it in 1960? No, you're like, 
Some did. My, my mom did. My mom's 80, 80, I don't know, 80 or 81. My mom watched it, and she told me years ago, she said when she watched that show, that movie at the theater, this was back before everything else is just black and white, and um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a famous scene of somebody getting hurt in the shower. You never see hardly anything. You hear this. You hear this sound. The curtain opens up. There's there's a knife. There's but it's all black and white. You never you never even see anybody getting stabbed. My mom said for almost a, almost the the six months she had to shower with the curtain open because she experienced something that was fake, but it radically changed how she saw things after that. The potential that it could open up to. See, that's how we're supposed, we're supposed to like radically change experiencing salvation. I know, I know that that so-and-so did this and now I'm aware, but we keep reading these things and being aware of things that we can't change. But in the kingdom, we can participate right now today. You enter into the kingdom realm, you begin to hear and see kingdom. Then it begins to change how you operate with people around you. You were born again and you immediately became a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way. Immediately, he might have been a really crummy minister since then, but we're, we're, we're ministers. I mean, I, I get the privilege of being called a pastor and ministering and going to places and things like that. But, but, I, but even before all of that, I was a minister of the gospel. I was one who was there to declare the kingdom of God, the gospel of good news, which includes entrance into seeing and participating into the kingdom, you know, Often our eyes are opened up to something and we totally change the way we live. We stop eating something. We start exercising because of a heart problem or because of something. We, we, but we, we want consistently heart changes coming and manifesting because of what the Lord is speaking to us. And our life is constantly tweaked and shaped and transformed. Because our life is not our own. You know, the Apostle Paul has an experience. I was listening. I was reading... Um, out of uh, the first part of the book of Acts, and it says something like scale fell from his eyes. That's how, that's how real see things, and we're like, we're, we're, we're judging our own life and saying, I'm okay, but we're never allowing the Lord to talk to us and take scales off of our eyes so we can see what our future looks like, so we can see what our marriage looks like, so we can see what our finances look like. There's supposed to be something else besides just barely making it in our life. You know, and you can see... You can see how church works with no kingdom eyesight. You can see how religion works with no kingdom eyesight. There's lots of people I talk to who know lots of things that are experiencing zero amount of peace, no freedom. But they talk about how they're free to do what they're doing, but they're not walking in freedom in their spirit. So so the second thing... The first is this, this, this idea that um, the kingdom of heaven is open to us upon salvation. The second one is that our job, in part, is to invite the kingdom of heaven to earth. Our job is to say, not my will, but yours be done. And I want you to hear this. When we say that, it's not like, it's not, like not my will, yours be done. I have nothing to do with it. God's sovereign. It's like, it's not, not my will. Just think how Jesus said this, not my will, but yours be done. And then you walk to the cross. There is something for him to walk out. We think, we think that we're saying, oh, whatever, you have everything. Whatever happens to me is just what happens to me. But no, it's not my will, but yours be done. And you're going to tell me your cancer. Well, not my will, but yours be done. Good luck with your cancer. And we walk away. So it's not my will, but yours be done. And we look into heaven and we pull down the no cancer zone in heaven and we bring it down to earth. 
And I haven't seen that enough, but I want to see it a lot more. I want to see more of people getting set free from emotional and mental problems, physical problems, relationship problems, things that are keeping people stuck from year to year, generation to generation. And we do have, we have good teaching around that. We have good seminars you can go to. We have good books you can read for all of those things. And we have prayers we can pray, but there's something presence-oriented that when Jesus walks into the room, generations of poverty are supposed to start shifting into a more prosperous group of people. Right? We see that with, we see, we've seen that with all of our history of immigrants until the last few um, the last few decades, we've seen every immigrant group come in and they have risen up. Their social status and their, and their prosperity level has risen up generation to generation to generation. Think about the Jews that came here that fled here from, from Eastern Europe and then some of, a little bit of Western Europe also that fled here with some of them with nothing, could barely get sponsored to be here um, pre and post-World War II. And in, in just a few generations, tailors. Most of them came as little, little tiny industrious things. Little tiny shops came in poverty. So there's, we, there, there's an expansion of your, of, your, of your line, of your DNA, of your genealogy that's supposed to open up. But you have to be saying, not my will, but yours be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask for that. We invite that down. In fact, it might sound like saying that all the time. You know, we have a neighborhood, we're in a new neighborhood in the last year, and our neighborhood Facebook page is amazing because you know that a lot of them go into church, all right? And it, it's unbelievable how, how, um, how they're not inviting heaven to earth at all. They're demanding, they're arrogant, they are attacking, they're not listening, they're anti-this and anti-that. And one person puts something here and another person jumps on that. And, and I don't know most of them. We knew some of the people in our, in our other neighborhood. But what about thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my neighborhood on earth as it is in heaven, in my relationships? So I have, a, I have a different, a better relationship with, not just with my wife and my children and my family, but I have a better relationship with my neighbor and with the stranger and with my enemy. That's the kingdom coming. doesn't mean I won't have an enemy. doesn't mean everybody's doing what they're saying, what they're thinking, how they're acting is filtered not by the same filter that they're shouting it at me, but it's filtered by a kingdom filter where everything changes when I hear these things. Now, look at your neighbor and say, not what I want, but what God wants. And maybe we can say, and this is, this is a dangerous, it's, it, that's just another translation of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Is not what I want, but what you want. And this is what's interesting. We think that it's not what I want, what it's you want. I'm going to hate what you want. But it's totally not true. If he's our designer and it's like, and, and we're actually lining ourselves up to, I know you, I trust you. Not what I want, but what you want. And whatever you want from me is going to be awesome. It doesn't matter what you ask me to sacrifice, it's going to be a joy. It doesn't matter what you ask me to stop doing, it's going to, it's going to make my life way better. It's going to make my generation way better. It's going to make the people around me better. Whatever you want me to start, I'll start. Whatever you want me to stop, I'll stop. Whatever you want me to think, I will think. 
And, 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 and so it's not like not my will. Oh, gosh, God's going to make me do something. It's something like I don't want. I'm going to have to be somebody I don't want to be. You're actually, when you begin to pray this dangerous invitation prayer, you're actually saying, I'm going to be used to seeing that song, Zacchaeus, the wee little man, the wee little man was he, and climbed up the sycamore tree. He was despised and hated by everybody in that crowd except possibly the Roman soldiers there in the crowd. But even in his social position, he got up the nerve to push past all of his shame, all of the judgment people had against him, to climb up a tree, to get a spot, to look at Jesus. And something happened when he looked at Jesus and he said, I got to ask that guy into my home. Many of us today can't get past the shame to ask Jesus into our home, into our marriage, into our thoughts, because we want control. We at least want control of our darkness. We at least want control of our shame. And he is, he is dying to get in. He's died to get in to your darkness and your shame, into the very worst parts of you. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, this is part of an invitation. This is God talking to the people. He says, call to me and I will answer you. That call is a crying out in desperation. But mostly in America, we're not that desperate for God to move. We're not that desperate for God to change our marriages, to change how we parent, to change how we live. We're not that desperate. We're a little bit sick, but not sick enough that a little pill doesn't help us through the day. A little alcohol, a little pornography, a little anger, a little bitterness, a little cheating. We're, but there's something there that we, 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 we self-manage. Or to him, he promises that he will respond to us. We also see this, this desperation. Remember, we taught several months ago, the father of the demon-possessed child cries out passionately. He says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I've always heard that, God, I believe, help my unbelief. And, but he's like yelling it out passionately. God, I believe, help my unbelief. And he's getting passionate and he's desperate for God to give him something. You know, most of us or many of us have exchanged the religion of our church culture and we've accepted a rebellion of the world's culture and we've called this freedom. And then lots of people leave the rebellious world culture, they go into the religious church culture and they call this freedom. There's a third option, it's called the kingdom. It's called relationship. And it's a relationship that is quite painful, intimidating, and destructive of who... The enemy is trying to press you into being. So we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. Yes, we're going to invite the kingdom that we see completely different. But there's an invitation where we're going to desk, we're going to invite regularly. Maybe you want to do it as you're in your in your marriage. Maybe you want to declare it. Maybe you want to write it somewhere in your Bible. But there's something else. This third point is we've got to press into pressed into not my will but yours be done. Paul, Peter, James, John, they all pressed into the kingdom. You've got to press into the kingdom. We don't just pray about our finances. We also need to get on a budget, stop spending money, and get a job. We don't just pray about our weight or our health. We do other things around that. We step out in faith like God is going to meet us on the path to healing, like God's doing something. We've got to press into the kingdom. So these signs will follow you. Takes a risk. So you have to ask somebody, can I pray for you? When somebody comes and complains about something going on, you're like, can I pray for you? They they're almost always go, sure. 
But then when you do it right then, they're like, oh, oh, you mean right now? But to pray for them. When somebody's moaning and groaning about their life, stop. Listen for a little bit. Pray for them. Take a risk. Ask the Lord. I mean, we're all admonished to ask for the gift of prophecy. We're all admonished, which is simply speaking forth the heart of God. What better gift can you get than speaking forth the heart of God in a situation? We can ask, we can ask for supernatural gifts. We can ask for healing. But many of us know that it means a change if we ask for a gift of healing. That we have to like think the faith that happens. So if you say you have confidence in God, there's a risking of your faith that's got to take place. Just like if you say you love God... There's a risking of your love where you have to love others. In fact, the Bible goes so far, don't say that you love me. God says, don't say that you love me if you don't love others. So we might not should say, I believe in healing. I believe in the goodness of my father. And yet we're not inviting his presence into other people's lives where we're at. You know, when people come in, have you ever had any friends? Maybe you don't have any friends, I don't know. Do you have any friends that come in and they start talking and they're super negative and the room goes dark, right? Like, oh, man, I can barely breathe. So you know what? They just brought in a wrong kingdom. So what about us being confident enough that we say, let's pray. Let's do something. Let's do something in our lives, something in our marriage, something in our finances that is significant, that pushes back on the spirit of poverty, the spirit of isolation, the spirit of negativity, the wicked spirit of politics. I don't mean our governmental politics, just the spirit of politics that says, I got to compromise everything. I got to be smooth. I got to do things right and go into an open, just, just to press back on that demonic entrance of that spirit of that culture that comes in. In Luke sixteen sixteen. It says the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Since that time, 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of God is being preached and we are all meant to press into it. Every one of us. Not, not just me, not just Joe, not just Bradley, not just Francisco. Every one of us is meant to press into that. Not just the guys. I just realized I said all the guys' names. We're meant to press into that, but we are. We should want it. We should want darkness to flee when we step into a place. We should want, we should want people to go, when I'm around you, I'm not depressed any longer. And we get to share that with them. Instead of giving them a three-step program of how to ABC their way into church, that they, they actually are experiencing something. You say, oh, you're experiencing my Savior. You're experiencing my Father's goodness. And, and, and that's what we want in our life, so Luke sixteen sixteen, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. So how do we press into it? And don't get me wrong, you're, you do have a job. We're in the state of the church, which is a state of emergency that says God will do whatever God will do. That is so not true. He works through us. He uses us. I'm not going to teach on the false, false teaching of the sovereignty of God, but we have to invite. We have to we invite kingdom. That we do that, and then we press in, and we risk, and we say, I'm going to stand and believe that something awesome happens in your life. We come into agreement for the Astros, right? We're going to stand and believe the Astros are going to be a two, two-time world champion. Yeah, we get all excited, but whoa, whoa, whoa. I shouldn't stand for anybody to not be depressed. What's that? What if that's not God's will? We've gone over some of that already. 
but we, we can we can actually stand for this brightness and we do it but we act at it out. We act it out. We lay hands on one another right here. We pray for one another right here. We connect with one another. We stir up belief, not in church, not in just in eternal security, which we have, which is awesome, but we stir up belief in abundance right now. We talk about, we learn about the prophetic. We give physically, emotionally, and financially to works that increase the kingdom of heaven, whether it's a local church or an orphanage or um, a mental health missions that we support or team right down the street that we support. And then we read scripture, we pray, we worship together. There's ways to stir up, to press in to the kingdom of heaven. And we've lost this because we started using the spiritual growth habits as a rule. Here's my 10 things I do every day. Here's how I pray. And I'm a good Christian and God's going to reward me for that instead of us bringing presence into it. It still looks like meditate, fast, study, pray, press into it. We've talked about declarations. Declarations are important because they begin to reshape our mind. Because persistent, passionate, powerful prayer is what it takes. And it takes action out of that. No longer can we just say, I believe in blank. We need to start walking it out. If you say, I, I'm against this, then start doing something. If you say, I'm, I'm anti this, then start doing something that you're pro for. If you say, man, I just, I just get so bothered when somebody's depressed and God's done so much in my mind that I'm no longer depressed. Well, begin to believe that your story is an anointing for you to reach into the darkness and pull people out of depression. If you've, if you've endured cancer and you've been physically healed... Uh, by doctors or whatever, you have more hope than anybody else because you have a different story. So, the law and the prophets is over since John. We're pressing into the kingdom. Our job is not to make the kingdom happen, not to hoop something up, but to stir up a, a, a steady stream of belief in us that God is good, that God's doing something, that I can find him, that he's present I go, I, I go to church, but he's present in my car. He's present in my home. He's present in my bathtub. His disease comes upon me because he's highlighted because I need help. But there's people around you that need help that are desperately crying out for help all the time. Let's commit to being the people that are bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, right? Yep. All right, let's go ahead and stand up. So, Father God, we just we thank you for who you are. We thank you for an increased sense of passion. God, we ask that our passion for the kingdom, the passion for people, the passion for your presence far increases our passion for uh, the movie stars in Hollywood, far increases our passion for sports, Father God. Not that we diminish, we don't have to diminish our passion for popular culture at all. We don't have to diminish it. We just need to rise up our passion for you and the kingdom and your presence higher, 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 that our passion is directed towards you, towards you, what you want to do, that our hearing is attuned so much more to the kingdom presence and the, and the vibration of the kingdom than it is to Fox news or CNN or NBC, that we don't look for the weather report to tell us what the room feels like. But Father God, we come in and we ask you what the weather in, in heaven is. And we bring that or what our life looks like. But we ask you and we hear you and we follow you and we walk that out. 
that each of us would have a, a, a more intense, more passionate uh, love relationship with you, where there'd be transformative things happening because we're talking with you, we're inviting you in, we're filtering life, not through our pain, not through our, our culture we were born into, not to our geographical location, not to our social status, and not a filter of our, of our masculinity or our femininity, Father God, but a culture of the kingdom would filter all of those things that we would begin to transform our lives, our minds, our bodies, our lives, and the lives around us, and this region and this nation. We thank you for that. Here's son's name. Amen.